everybody, this is Leif Hetland and uh, welcome to Kingdom Family Talk and I have this great honor of having Dr. Randy Clark with Global Awakening and he is our special guest today. Welcome Dr. Randy. Well, I will start. Uh, uh, this is uh, Leif Hetland and uh, we are talking about Kingdom Family Talk and I have Dr. Randy Clark with me. And uh, I have the joy of actually looking at him. You guys just get to hear him. So I just wanted to start with saying, Randy, uh, what are you most passionate about in life right now? From a, a ministry perspective, I, I'm still the most passionate about having the opportunity to pray for people for uh, that they might receive an impartation that is probably still the most exciting thing for me in the, in the realm of ministry uh, that's awesome and and i think that the audience at least two three times have heard this story over and over again that on june 6 1995 how i was a baptist pastor that experienced uh, when you went down the line and prayed and came to me and uh, something just transformed my life. Uh, it was a mixture of electricity and fire. So I think I had a double baptism that day. One was a fire and the other one was power. And uh, something changed in my life. And, and the fun part for me now is, first of all, that I've been able to uh, give that to other people. But the second thing that is so much fun is to hear the stories of other people, not just myself, but from Brazil to we were just in Nigeria hearing the story that this continued Randy it was not just something that happened almost 22 years ago in Norway so so do you have any great stories lately of some of the things that you see God is doing in the realm of impartation just lately we had a four square pastor uh, that came to our meeting in like a year a little over a year ago and uh, he had a pa his pastor of a large church, but revival broke out in his church when he went back, and he's had uh, within uh, with less than a year when I've talked to him, he had had uh, over a hundred deaf ears that opened, and he's seeing healings, and God's using him very powerfully. Wow. And uh, he put together a meeting <laughs> with about twenty five thousand people out at a stadium, young people, because he's over the uh, youth ministry under 29 years old and for the four square denomination and I did a meeting for about a thousand pastors and there was this one young man he was uh, I think younger than 21 and he received uh, an impartation and he was down on the floor for over an hour and when he got up he went to his pastor wow. this man I was telling you about uh, the young man's name was Lucas. The other guy's name was Analgy, Pastor Analgy. <laughs> and uh, Lucas went to Analgy and said, a Pastor, Pastor, m my hands are burning. They're just burning up. And Pastor Analgy said, Lucas, you find somebody to pray for. He found a deaf woman within 15 minutes of getting off the floor, prayed for her, and her ears opened. And then he came and gave his testimony that afternoon of like an hour later. Wow. And my question is because 
what excites me is to see how excited you still are after all of those different years and how you continue. I actually, I, I think I see as much excitement on your face now or maybe even more than I did uh, almost 22 years ago. What motivates you to continue to wake up, to travel around the world or across the country, being away from family, grandkids and continue to impart and continue to pray for people? What is it actually that, what is the motivation that, that keeps you going? Because a lot of people, uh, I mean, they start well, but it seems like you are finishing very well. And uh, you're not finished yet, but at least that so far into the journey, you seems that you're more on fire now than, than you were over 20 years ago when I first saw you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, know if, I don't know if I am or not, but in answer to your question, Leif, it's, it's the understanding that I never know in the next group of people I pray for, that there may be another Leif Hetland, there may be another Heidi mm. Baker, there may be another Henry Madava. All three of you have led over a million people to the Lord since uh, we met you and prayed for you. Uh, and, and you never know when that's going to happen. And so that's a real motivating. The second motivating factor for me, Leif, is when I was so dry back in 1993, mm. Uh, I'd been touched in 84, touched again in 89, powerfully by the Holy Spirit. Uh, in 89, I thought I was going to die, it's so powerful. Uh, but in 93, I was going through a desert, and I remember praying, God, if you will touch me one more time, I'll go anywhere, do anything you tell me to do. And it's trying to be faithful to that uh, commitment I made. Uh, and I sometimes say, now, Lord, I know what that meant at 42 or, or uh, 41, but what does it mean now that I'm 65? Uh, I'm trying to get some here again from the Lord on it, but uh, that is a motivating factor. I want to be faithful as a sign of gratitude for what he did in my life, that he did touch me, and he let me not only touch me, but um, let many other people be touched through what he would do through my life. So I, I want to be faithful to steward the anointing he put on my life and the special call that um, he told John Wimber, he heard God's voice. John Wimber heard God's voice first two times we met. And I was a little, I was a pastor of a little Baptist church that one day God was going to send me around the world and use me to pray for activation in people's lives and stirring up the gifts. I just want to be faithful in that calling. I want to be able to say mm. at the Apostle Paul at the end of life that I have fought the fight and kept the faith and I finished the course. And I, I want to end well. Wow, that is so beautiful. Uh, one other question also that not just myself, but I'm sure that a lot of the people are listening is, uh, I mean, I know that you have conquered a lot of giants and I know you have a worldwide ministry and and I get the joy of both being part of the Apostolic Council with you and be a global mission awareness who is who's our tribe. We are part of ANGA, Apostolic Network of Global Awakening, the bigger family. So we're part of a family of families. But in the middle of all of that, if you were to describe, because you and I thank you again for the foreword of my book, but you have faced some giants. If you were to describe a giant in ministry that, that you have to face and how did you face that giant? Uh, uh, several years ago, I think one of the biggest giants I faced was uh, my own health was uh, touched and I had classic travelers back and could not put my foot to the 
floor. Uh, I couldn't sit in a chair. Uh, I, I couldn't travel anymore. And at the same time, uh, we had were hit with a uh, with like three hundred thousand dollars in the hole uh, for that year in our ministry, and we were in the red. And interest rates were going to kick in within thirty days, and I couldn't travel. I couldn't minister because of my own uh, physical problems. And that was like the biggest giant right then in my life. And uh, the Lord brought us through that, provided supernaturally. It really was a supernatural provision financially. Uh, healed my body supernaturally um, through giving a guy a word of knowledge and an open vision about me 1,000, 1,500 miles away. So I get healed. We have a miracle in our finances. It turned around, and, and uh, not only did that happen, but last year, Leif, we were able to pay off all of our debt and uh, pay off our building. And so that's a huge giant of debt that was against us. And uh, uh, so both physically uh, and emotionally uh, uh, and financially, we've seen these uh, giants slain. Um, 1984, 1993, I was about to have a nervous breakdown when I went to see Rodney Howard Brown. That's when I got touched and God mm. healed me of the, uh, being on the verge of a nervous breakdown. I mean, just instantly, the shalom of God, the peace of God. While, sure. while I'm out on the floor, I get healed. So much so, I continued that same church that I'd started as eight years old. I continued to be the senior pastor for eight more years, but now I'm traveling 180 days a year and senior pastor. I got double the responsibility, double the stress, but I never touched that place of emotional um, instability and uh, ever again. So those are three giants that I faced, an emotional giant, a physical giant, and a financial giant, and God wow. uh, put a stone right between the eyes of every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> now that's awesome. Uh, I was just sitting and thinking about, because one of the joy is I have people like you that has been part of my life, is part of my life. Uh, Papa Jack, there's other people like Bill Johnson. And so what does it mean for you? Because I was just now with Tom Jones and Paul Martini and a whole team of Global Awakening. We were in Nigeria. But what does it mean for you that the people that you have surrendered yourself around in a sense of to, to make you who you are? I mean, I know the stories from John Wimber to there's so many amazing people that has gone before you, but also you are part of a team, the Revival Alliance, but also even today, a lot of your spiritual sons and associates and friends. What does it mean to be part of a family or a bigger kingdom culture in regard to it? Because I know that uh, it, it, this is not a solo. It's not a, 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 a one-man thing. It's certainly you, what you have raised up is a whole, you have a whole culture changing culture these days. And so I'm just interested in what friendship, relationships, what you're building there. What does that mean to you? It's very exciting, really. Right now is one of the more exciting times in my life in the sense of um, a few years ago, I, I didn't see some in our school someone that I could, uh, could become an associate evangelist. The anointing was so strong that they could carry the and be an 
associate evangelist like uh, uh, Paul Martini is and Will Hart was before he went to work with Heidi and Roland. Um, but in this last year, uh, I have right now three, uh, really it could be four, uh, spiritual sons that are very, very powerfully anointed. Uh, and, and, and then another young man, when he was 17 years old, he traveled with me. I had to get a permission letter from his parents because <laughs> he's only 17 years old, traveled the nations with me. And now he's uh, speaking into the lives of generals and presidents and prophetically. And wow. I, I, I just heard he's going to be moving to Harrisburg, to where we're at. Uh, there's others that are moving in that, that are very strongly gifted. It's very good friends with Paul Martini. So the exciting thing is I always wanted to, by the time I was in my 90s, to have, you know, like 12, 15 uh, younger persons, you know, from 25 to 40 years old that would be able to uh, be on staff and going around the world, each of them taking interns and learning how to father them because they were fathered. <laughs> and uh, I am so excited, Leif, because of the level of anointing on these guys is blowing me away as far as miracles wow. they see. And the prophetic realm is great. The prophetic realm of revelation and for many of them is greater than, than I walk in. And uh, wow. I, I'm very excited about the future of Global Awakening, the Apostolic Network of Global Awakening. Uh, and, and, and guys like you who are make up the other networks within it. And, you know, you're quite a bit younger than me as well. And just to see uh, what God is doing and the hundreds of nations we've been to and uh, the numbers of people being touched. So it's, it's like I look at it now and say, this is not going to end with me, that God has given me spiritual sons that I've been able to pour into that's going to keep when I can't go. And I'm planning on going as long as I can. You know, our spiritual father, Bob Jack, he's 83 and he's still going. And <laughs> yeah. he's kind of like my model. But I do know that I won't be able to teach five and six times a day like I do now. I think Papa Jack usually mm -hmm. preached mainly once a day. So uh, I'll, I know that I will go less than I go now, and I know that I'll minister less times a day and rest more than I do now, but I also know that God's mm. raising up these others because I, I was praying the other day, God, thank you I got to be part of a real revival. I'd like to be a part of another one before I, I step off the scene of this world. And then I said, but if I am, I know I can't be a leader like I was. I can't go that hard. I can't go that many days in a row. I can't go that many hours. <laughs> I can't go on that little bit of sleep. But I, but I, but I know that we have raised up younger guys who can. Mm. Oh, it's so beautiful. Uh, one of the things that I was thinking about, because you scared, not just me, you scared your family, you scared everybody by suddenly we found out that you had a heart attack last year. And one of the things uh, as I've traveled with you in many different places, the pace, as you're saying, uh, what that does to your body, but it's just a whole lifestyle. And people like myself and a lot of us, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, <laughs> a brutal lifestyle. But somehow in the middle of that heart attack, 
uh, I see a major transformation and a lot of lessons that you've learned, but also even in the lifestyle and, and you're very disciplined. But what are some of the things or some of the lessons that happen? And I will even have question number two. Here you are in some of the greatest, I mean, I don't know anybody with a greater healing anointing than you. And then in the middle of it, you yourself have suffered a lot of uh, illness, attack and everything else. So how do you also live with that tension because i'm sure that there's a lot of people out there watching that's that's part of the paradox that a lot of people are living with well uh let's start with the the paradox of uh, having some physical problems um you know i'm 65 and i never had hardly any physical problems till i hit about 59 that's when i had the classic travelers back and that was caused by how much travel I've done. So there's a natural cause and reason for it. And what I learned was, and if I'd known about it earlier, I could have prevented it by using lumbar support, uh, 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 doing special exercises every, you know, every day or most of the days to try uh, to maintain and, and not get that uh, loss of the uh, curve in my lumbar. But I anything about it and I teach my younger guys so they won't get it about it that's one thing I learned uh, the, the other physical problem I've had was the, the heart attack and uh, I I learned well first I thought it was a hereditary and there was nothing I could do about it but I learned that through diet and through medicine and through exercise that I was able to reduce the, my ratio of, of uh, from high risk for heart attack and heart disease to very low risk. And so I found out that I was under deception. And there, even though there is a hereditary portion of my problem, my brother and my mother, and but with these changes, I literally have changed my blood work from high risk for heart attack to uh, very low risk. Um, now I have to, I have heart disease that's hardened in my arteries. I that um, uh, still there, but I was able to reduce uh, by about eight percent the plaque that was in my arteries that hadn't hardened yet by the diet I was on. So I have a lifestyle change. I have to try to get eight hours sleep, which I don't always do, but I'm trying harder. I my what I eat, what I drink, I will drink nothing, not even one sip, not even one swallow of anything. It's got high fructose corn syrup. I found out that's like poison, especially for your heart. And so I, I don't do any anything with any sweeteners of any kind. Uh, my doctor's orders, no sweeteners of any kind, no aspartame, no sweet and low, no. Um, uh, what I used to take, I used to drink a, a lot of it. I forgot what it's called now. Uh, it's part of not, not even Splenda. Actually, no sweeteners at all. Mm. Uh, no red meats except venison and filet mignon and very limited portions of that. Uh, I don't, I stay away from almost uh, high carb stuff, no white potatoes, no, no pasta of any kind. Uh, I eat a lot of fruit, eat a lot of vegetables, 
I try to walk 10,000 steps a day. I'm supposed to do that all at once, but I found that very difficult to do and get eight hours sleep. So I try to get at least 10,000 steps a day. And when I can, I try to do them all at once. Uh, and then I have to do exercises for my back, for the classic back. So I, I, I am a disciplined person because I have to be. If I don't, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. Uh, so these are the things I've learned. Get, not, try to not put myself under too much stress. Get more rest uh, and eat better and exercise. And I have certain amounts of exercises I do every day. If I did everything I'm supposed to do every day to maintain the different problems I've had to face, I'd take three hours. I try to get in at wow. least an hour and a half of exercise a day. Wow. If you're saying that there's people ask me in Nigeria, there was two things that I was describing in regard to you because we were just talking about a lot of amazing thing. And I met with some of the same apostolic leaders where you were there last year. And we were just sitting and talking about you. And I said that two things that I've had for the 22 years since I first met you and the last 16, 17 years traveling is, that I admire the most about you is number one is humility and the second of all, vulnerability. And I think the message out of all the messages I've heard is still the uh, thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. And it did maybe more for me because, as you know, I've also had some successes, but I've had a lot of failures. But what you did was kind of a helping me that, in a sense, that <laughs> if I just be, if I've just around the people that, if I saw you when you say, come Holy Spirit, and I've been there, and heaven just comes down over people. I've been in those meetings, but... If that's the only thing I've seen and didn't know the other side of the coin, and you helped me so much with that. So where did you get, I'm saying the primary, the message, the thrill of victory and the, the agony of defeat. And where did you get this message from? And because it's so much connected where I see that the humility and the vulnerability by sharing also some of the agony, if you can call it, of the defeat. I was on my way to... Uh, Santiago, Chile, and uh, this was actually one message at the time. It's called "God Can Use Little Old Me," and it, it was the mm. same message, but the <laughs> agony defeat part was actually the introduction. And as mm. I continued to teach, I just and minister. I got more and more of those. I really saw that needs to become its own message. So it started out as an introduction to the other one, uh, and then it became its own message. But the thought behind it was the thing that encouraged me the most when I was around John Wimber was the night I saw him. Everybody prayed for God healed, but the next night, nobody he prayed for God healed. And it was his mm. answer to me that he just did the same thing, and it, he stuck his fat hand out and said, Come, Holy Spirit, bless what God was doing. And the night that everybody got healed, he said, I didn't go to bed feeling like I was this great man of God. And the next night when nobody got healed, he said, I'm not going to bed tonight feeling like a failure. And tomorrow I'll get up and do the same thing. That so encouraged me seeing that defeat in him that I mm. felt like if people realized in me too that I have to go through these times that uh, I see the people that are not healed that just are so, it's so emotional. And, 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 and putting the price tag, and I felt like sometimes in the renewal, it seemed to me like in some people's minds, it, the anointing was cheapened by just being a 
joyride. And I don't mean that negatively, but it does sound negative. But I, I, I value the people who got joy. We need joy. Joy of the Lord's our strength and all that. But I, I just felt like I wanted and one of my messages to tie the anointing to sacrifice. And in that message, the agony to feed is that basically says this is the cross of suffering that we're invited to carry. The cross of Luke 9, 23, if anyone be my disciple, must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me daily. Well, the only way they would have understood cross at that time, because he's not gone to the cross, he's not been raised from the dead yet, is they're going to understand it as suffering. And so for me, I wanted one of the impartation times that I did to be specifically related. I'm willing, I need this anointing to embrace the cross that includes suffering. Wow. The emotional suffering when people aren't healed and when you're praying. And so that's how, in my back of my mind, that was what was going on, that that others that's from outside the charismatic Pentecostal world would see that it's not just about having an experience and being drunk, but it's about mm. as a result of his empowerment, we're willing to pick up a cross and carry it that in, includes suffering uh, because I most of the people that quit praying for the sick is because of the price tag of the, the emotional suffering they go through when the people they're praying for doesn't get healed. Mm. Wow. So that's kind of the what was behind the putting this together. Yeah, no, no. As I say, I love it because uh, as I say, I've developed my own message on both those sides, but it's been probably more encouraging for me than anything because as, as a journey, even when you prayed for me that I often tell people, it came in a seed format, but from you can say from the word that was spoken was another 17 years before we had passed that 1 million mark. So that 17 years and the journey you go through, uh, we like glory to glory to, to, to looks like you go from one mountain peak to the other, but there is also parts of the life of the valley. And what you at least helped me when I went to the valley to not give up, to continue to, to get up again the next day and, and, and continue to do it. I'm still doing it and very excited. Since we just came home from Nigeria, uh, going out this weekend again, Europe next week, and we just continue and then back again to the Middle East, Pakistan. And so that message, as I'm saying, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have that side of the coin because, uh, yeah, I've, I've had as much valleys as I've had mountaintop experiences, but you gave language and also even permission that the fellowship of the suffering is also something that, as part of the cross by following him on a daily basis. I'm also interested, Randy, because uh, you have, I, I mean, lately, I mean, you got a doctor degree, uh, and uh, it's amazing now how you're influencing also the education mountain, but also I've recognized, even as a prolific writer, how many amazing books that is part of the legacy that we get to be part of. You are coming up with a new book called uh, I mean, it's connected to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I think the title is coming out in May, if, I, if I'm if i not too much wrong. But can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I think that the people that are watching, I, I listen to it a little bit, and it excites me because I told you that when you prayed for me, I prayed in tongues 10 years before you prayed for me, but I said the baptism of the Holy Spirit, June 6, 1995, that's when I, had, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
And I know that sounded like a paradox until I started to hear you sharing about it. It just came out. It's, it's just right now. Today is the first day I've had it to be available to sell. I'm at a, a Voice of the Prophets conference. And one, one of the um, pastors that's here wow. is teaching at Messiah College. It's uh, ranked one of the two top best Christian schools, one of the top three in the United States. And he's using as one of his three textbooks uh, on on the theology of the. Uh, like he's trying to give an overview of Pentecostalism. Pentecostal because this is definitely not a Pentecostal church. It's a uh, this college is a uh, more of a cessationist college, and uh, so I I wrote it because I thought there's a lot of confusion. I thought it brought clarity. I thought it could be. It's not written to be a building walls between movements but bridges that people can cross over to each other and have see a validity in other people's experience that may be different from theirs and I, it was an amazing I, i'd written something about it years ago but it was only about 80 pages this is you know maybe 180 i forgot now but it's a great embellishment in the sense of we added a lot from church history and the writings of the early fathers and and one of the things that just blew me away on it was three things I, I discovered. One is that emerging Pentecostal theologians, classical Pentecostal theologians that are emerging, a lot of them are softening on the necessary uh, initial evidence doctrine and making it, it is an evidence more than the evidence. And there, there's that happening within Pentecostalism itself. Uh, secondly, I saw that John Wesley always always knew that he was like the grandfather of, of uh, uh, the charismatic movement and the Pentecostalism and because of his uh, doctrine of a subsequent experience, a second definite work of grace, which the last 20 years of his life he called it the baptism in the spirit. But then I found out that Wesley was heavily influenced by the, the, the disciples of the, of the disciples, the patristics, the fathers. And, uh, and especially Simeon, the new theologian who wrote around 1000 A.D., uh, he's considered the fourth most famous theologian of all the Eastern Orthodox churches, the Orthodox churches. And I just discovered how that instead of the Pentecostals coming up with a new doctrine of initial evidence uh, or of subsequence, that it was the evangelical movement that actually was teaching a newer doctrine. Because if you go back to the teachings of the fathers, to the scripture, then if you go to the teachings of the fathers, hmm. it's very, very clear that they believed that you needed the person who had been justified was and, and, by, and, and baptism uh, repented. They are now fitted for the reception of the Spirit coming upon them. He came in them to give them life, and he came upon them. They, they'd use language like this. If a person's been baptized and brought into the church or become a Christian, they've been enlisted in the army of God. But if they failed to have hands laid on them and prayed for the filling or baptism of the Spirit, it's like they are a soldier that's been enlisted but they don't have their uniform on and they don't have any weapons. And we would not send men into battle or women into battle having conscripted them 
and then not giving them what they need to fight the battle. And, it, and that's the illustration they would use between how important it is that once one has wow. uh, entered the kingdom of God, been born again, they need to be filled. That's what prepares them for the filling of the Spirit. Now, it's true that in the earliest days, that would would not be a very long gap at all. It, it would be a matter of less than a few minutes because it's, as soon as they were baptized, there was a prayer prayed over them. Now, this is interesting, Lay. The prayer for deliverance was not prayed until they, they came to Christ. They didn't pray <laughs> for deliverance on before they got into the baptismal water. They prayed the deliverance prayer after they've been oh. baptized, now that's ready for them to be prayed. And then the second thing, <laughs> right afterwards, they lay hands on them, anoint them with oil, and pray for them to be baptized or filled with the Spirit. <laughs> so I try to give all, all the views and do it in a in a way that doesn't uh, say, you know, this is Incredible. the right, this is the wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make... Just, here's what Scripture says, and here's what history shares, and here's the different views in the church today. And here's some of the changing views within Pentecostalism today. And then I end it with, here's some of the advice that people in the Keswick movement, in the holiness movement, and within Pentecostalism have said, here's the ways, the things you can do and prepare yourself to be baptized in the Spirit. How can people get hold of that book, Randy? Well, they can get it through our headquarters and through the bookstore, globalawakening.com. Uh, that's the be one of the fastest ways. I think it, I don't know if it's available yet on Kindle or, or Amazon Kindle. I don't know yet. It, it will be. I know it will be. It may be already. Uh, but if they want to buy the uh, paper version, uh, one of the best ways by far, is so much more blesses our ministry because if it doesn't make them any difference, the profit goes to the help pay our salaries. We have a lot of employees and stuff. Um, so uh, if they buy it through our ministry, it'd be like almost 10 times more uh, benefit than if they uh, bought it through Amazon. Uh, but it's available. It will be available through Amazon, it'll be available through Kindle or through globalawakening.com. Go to the web, go to the bookstore on globalawakening.com. Wow, that's exciting. I just have one more question and then I would love for you uh, to pray for me to pray for us because as I was saying that uh, one of the things I have faith for is when you pray for people just because of who you are and what God has placed in you the difference and, and what it does in people's life uh, including my own life and I actually had Paul Yado from the Philippines who is one of the greatest importation that I prayed for he's in the office right now here from the Philippines so we just uh, we have this incredible expectation even when I'm when I'm sitting in the front of you and I'm ready for even a, another upgrade in this season. But I just had a, the one question is, if you were to give people like myself or other people out there, if there was one major advice, I'm, I'm 51 and you are a few years ahead of me here, but if you were to give people a advice, wisdom 101 with Randy Clark, how to be able to, with everything that's going on in the world, how do we finish well, and what would be the advice we, you would give people? Well, one very important principle, I think, Leif, is make sure the assignments is a God assignment and not, not just an opportunity. 
there's a point where you can just take all the opportunities, but then when you have too many opportunities, you can't take them all. You got to try and figure out which ones are God. Secondly, uh, don't let your commitment outrun your grace, either for you or your wife. You know, that's the thing. It's not just what I can do. It's what she can do. Because if, if things don't go well at home, then you become stressed out and you become uh, worried. Your mind's on, you know, uh, maybe a problem that if you're going more than your, your wife or your husband, whoever's a minister. Um, you know, I know some of the people in ministry are, are, are women, so it would be their mate. Uh, so I try to really know where Deanne's at all these years. And I tried to go no more than what my family could do without hurting them. I kind of pushed the envelope, but I tried not to go past the envelope where this many days a year is how many you can go. And it's not the same for everybody. Everybody's family's different. But I tried to, to recognize that. And, uh, you know, like right now, I know uh, next year I need to cut down cut back from where I'm going this year and I probably will need to slow down a little bit more of the next year uh, because the the grace on my wife is not as uh, um, well the kids are out of the house now she's all alone and she doesn't like to travel so the grace that she's had is not as strong so I I need to pay attention to that because ultimately I just want want to know that I was a, a good faithful minister but I also want to feel like that I was a good father and that I was a good husband and that my wife and my kids honor me, love me, and don't resent me. Uh, because I think it'd be tragic to win the world and lose your family. So I, 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 for me, that's the, uh, my health balance, my relationship balance. Those are the things, and spiritual balance. Mm. You know, to understand when, man, I need to slow down a little bit to feed myself uh, spiritually so that I'm not running on empty. So I try to pay attention to those three uh, registers, my emotional register, my spiritual register, my relational register. I don't want to go empty on any of them. That is so good. Uh, I actually, I wrote down all those three and... Uh, I'm just so excited about just this wisdom and I even can sense wow I could sense actually the presence of God uh, even here right now excuse me the microphone was just falling (laughs) because I knocked into it so anyway but do you mind just praying just a prayer of importation over us and uh, both myself and us here in the office we want to receive it but also all of the people that are listening around the world we just uh, I think all of us have this hunger and a thirst just for a fresh, fresh new encounter. Uh, so uh, I just wanted to be overwhelmed again by him so that we can uh, be be overfilled and, and, and spilled. Yeah. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone that's listening. And I know people are at different places. Some are more hungry than others. Some, it's... Their hunger is going to draw your anointing. Their desperation is going to draw on your anointing. 
But Lord, I know there's others mm -hmm. that you just sovereignly choose them for your purposes, as you did the apostle Paul when he was breathing threats as Saul against the church. You chose him. And yet, through him, he called Timothy. And I know we have different kinds of calls. So I pray in the name of Jesus for your presence to come. I pray for everyone who's been hungering, thirsting, after for more of God, crying out for more, fasting, praying. God, I pray in Jesus' name that their, your gifts would pour forth from them. I call forth gifts of faith, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, God. I sure. just call forth your gifts, all of your gifts, in both Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, in Jesus' name. And I bless them, Father, and I pray, Holy Spirit, come. Touch their hands, touch their head, touch their spirit, touch their soul, touch their body. Let the fire of God come on them, the electricity of God go through them. I bless them and pray, God, you'd give them a sign in them. They would know either through the shalom of God, the peace of God, or the joy of the Lord, or the, the energy of God. As Paul said, uh, we labor with all his energy that works so mightily within us. I bless them, God. I pray that you'd raise up others. And right now, Lord, you'd raise up uh, new ones like Leif and Heidi and, and many others like Hinalgi I just talked about today and, and Lucas, God, in Jesus' name. I just pray blessings over them, calling forth, God, those things in their heart that they long for, that they would know that you want them. Jesus died at the cross so that the Spirit could be poured out without measure upon it, uh, and inaugurate the new covenant, Father, in the blood of Jesus. So we cry out for the lamb that was slain, that we would win for the lamb that was slain, the rewards of his suffering, which includes salvation, but also baptism in the spirit and the activation of gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. We receive it. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Randy Clark, and we just bless you, dear, at the voice of the prophets. And, and I'm just praying that all of the different listeners that is out here, that they just, they've experienced, and I do know that they've experienced a fresh touch and an encounter, and that this is going to have a global impact uh, because of your investment of this last hour together. So I just celebrate you, and I'm so honored, and it's such a joy just even to see you face to face, and and see how well that you look. Well, thank you, Leif. It's an honor to be able to talk with you and be on your podcast. And um, so proud of you and what God does through you. I talk about you all over the world. Every time I teach on impartation, you're right there in the story without fail for all these years now. So thank you so much. It's an honor. I pray for you a lot. Randy, I just want to thank you so much for uh, investing this last hour with us. And if you would like to connect with Randy Clark, uh, contact globalawakening.com and you can get some amazing products that can change your life. God bless you.